Welcome to On Mike with Jordan Rich, conversations that I have with creative people from the world of broadcasting, voiceover, theater, film, music, literature, and much more. Today, a chance to talk radio with a very talented broadcaster who's graced the airwaves in the Boston market for decades. He is Ty Irwin, a.k.a. Morning Guy Ty, who had a long, successful stint at the alternative music station WFNX in Boston. Ty also appeared on air at such Boston rockers as WZLX and WROR and switched formatic gears for a while to do talk radio at WRKO. Ty is also a teacher and mentor to folks in the industry and is currently producing and hosting a creative musical retrospective show on UMass Radio WUMB. And now a conversation with Morning Guy Ty. Multifaceted, multi-talented, and very humble. Here he is, Ty Irwin. Welcome to the podcast. That's it for an introduction? All right. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, my introduction preceded our conversation. I know, but I heard it, and it was only three or four minutes. Well, I, <laughs> I can edit it up or down, depending on where we're going. It's lovely to actually sit down with you. Thanks. And Same here. You and I have sort of become friends late in the game of radio here in Boston, uh, although I followed your career for for many many years, and uh, it's not too a, closely, I no, hope. no, 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 I always stay at a distance. <laughs> but uh, I want to congratulate you on the on the legacy of success you've left, and more to come. That's nice so, of you. Thanks. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, first of all, you went to the Newhouse School of Communications. I feel I should I should get my robe on. It, it, why does that sound so impressive? Because it I, is right. Well, it is on one hand, but the other thing is that uh, I think. Uh, Educational institutions love those titles, the Sloan School of or right. the such and such school of. And I think uh, that there's a certain amount of prestige that goes with that, but only, frankly, to people in that field. And that's great. Um, the rest of the public, they, they go about their business every day. But for those of us who want to get into something so badly, I – you know, I didn't want to do anything else, and I and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So when I got in there, I just thought, wow, this is the first time in my life I've ever found focus, energy, and it was a lot tougher than I thought it would be, too. For, for a lot of college-bound people who want to get into the broadcast business, uh, they're, if they're lucky enough, as I was, to be able to work hands-on in their freshman year, was that the case no. in Syracuse? no. No, it's funny because uh, I used to have this conversation with Neil Robert, who was the afternoon guy at FNX when I was the morning guy. And Neil went to BU. And I said to him, you don't understand the difference between going to Syracuse and BU. It's not a thing about the rivalry or some rating in some magazine. That's not it. There's nothing else to do in Syracuse. Except freeze. Right. That's right. <laughs> and, and and the weather, it's interesting, too, because the weather's not just colder than it is here. It's also very gloomy. So there's this sort of thing that happens there where you either focus and really concentrate and live. I lived at the radio station. I lived there. Eventually, I was the program director of the place. But when I first walked in, I was a bum because that's the way it is there. Mm. And in Boston... Uh, I don't know how I would have handled the distraction factor. There's too much going on. True. And and you and I are, boy, uh, on equal paths in terms of the college experience. I also lived at the radio station and, and just breathed it all in. I couldn't get enough of it. Let me take you back, though, prior to that because you said you always wanted to do what yeah. you ended up doing. Uh, so where does it all start and how and why? It starts at an ice cream store in Hempstead, New York, Carvel. 
Get all the fudgy the whale jokes and cookie <laughs> puss jokes out of it right now. Flying saucers. Clear your throat. Hey, Carvel. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Tom Carvel made his own radio and television commercials and it sounded like he gargled with sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made Johnny Most sound smooth. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous, right? right? So – uh, I, as a boy, I worked at Carvel, and I joined this family, basically, this family business, and uh, I was bored out of my skull sometimes because when it was dead, it was really dead. And so I would call up a local radio station, and I'd make requests, and I was annoyingly um, knowledgeable. I knew who engineered records. I knew who produced them. I knew the record uh, studio where they were made. I cared about Things none of my peers cared about. I couldn't talk to anybody about this because everyone else just shook their head and said, don't care. <laughs> exactly. So when I called this radio station, I uh, sort of made friends with one of the disc jockeys and I made him an incredible vow. I said, if you come into my store, I will give you a free ice cream. Well, you understood at the time <laughs> what drives people in our business. Right. Free stuff. Munchies. <laughs> free food. <laughs> That's right. And he came in. And uh, we became incredible friends. I did sort of an unofficial internship uh, at this radio station, WLIR, mm. and uh, Dennis McNamara was my my guy, my mentor. And because he took me under his wing, not only was I um, allowed in, I was standing backstage at all these shows – and then when I got to college, I knew how to talk to people in the record business because I'd met so many people and I was getting promo copies of things. And I was in the, the sort of fast lane as a college student. Mm. And so that was um, a privilege and uh, something I never took for granted. I always loved it. And I always wanted to be in that world. And then I knew there, there was really nothing else I could do. It, not to do time jumps here, but mm-hmm. I will just this one time. I mean, the fact is, if you were that same young man today, and there are many young people today, uh, hopefully listening to this at some point, it, would that be possible? I hope so. And it's why we, we spoke earlier about this organization that I work with called Zoomix. What they do is they offer city kids facilities. Like the the thought of having a basement in the suburbs is not – a great luxury. Sometimes your basement isn't finished. It could flood whenever it rains. Who knows? But for some of us, it was a refuge. It had an old couch you could sleep on and had a a Sears amplifier you could make music on, which was my case, a a crummy drum set, which we destroyed. But we had a place to go and and things to be able to do. That's what city kids can do at, at Zoomix via radio, audio, and music. Well, I, the reason I asked the question too, I mean, obviously, we're we're in a different era in terms of record companies. And oh, you mean that breaking kind of into stuff. the industry? But but yeah. what you're saying and Zumix z u m i x dot org for yes. people to check out, and I've learned about it through you, is is a great collaboration between the the industry and the kids, and that's what it's all about. But yeah. but you did it like like you say, Ty. Yeah. You did it by being interested and by being a little pushy, getting yourself in the front yep. door. Yep. And uh, that's why I'm sitting here with you because you've been a career guy as, as I am and you love this stuff. I was 16 years old and uh, they pulled me into a production studio and said, do you want to be on a motorcycle commercial? Just say this one line. And what are you going to do? Say no? I had no time to be nervous or to (laughs) back out of it. And one of the things I like about that is, again, I didn't even belong there. 
in my mind and practically speaking. I didn't belong there. And back to this Zoomix thing, Maddie Shearer produces the morning show at Amp 103, and he mentors kids at Zoomix. So you could be now a 16-year-old getting taught the proper mic attack and uh, and intros and outros and all that. So, I mean, it, there are some people, thankfully, that picked Good. up the mantle. And that's why I'm so passionate about that idea. We should all be reaching down to help pull someone else up. That's in, what it's about. In, in our industry, particularly, uh, it, it, it's an art form that, uh, like any great art form, should be it's not just read about in books and taught in a classroom. It's it's you, mentorship is a big part of it. And I had several. Uh, I've talked about them in in my various uh, genre. But uh, besides the McNamara character you yes. mentioned, the DJ, who are some of your other career mentors, whether they be Boston based or not? Well, it's kind of fun. I um, I struck up a really neat friendship with Gene Burns when he was on WRKO. Let's explain who he uh-huh. is and was. Uh, I can do it or you can do it. Go ahead. No, please. You. Well, well, Gene Burns was, in my estimation, one of the premier talk hosts and let's call it conversationalists of our time. Brilliant, great, brilliant man. Great thinker. Yes. And uh, he presented an intellectual radio show like no other that I found. And I used to listen to him and then I would imitate him on the air on my show because my audience didn't know what I was doing. And then my partner in crime, Henry Santoro, who's now with WGBH, Henry used to listen to Gene as well. So we had this back and forth inside joke. We wouldn't do it every day, but we had this inside joke about him. And because I had friends and I was so interested in talk radio, I used to hang around at WRKO and I became friendly with Gene. And we had this really neat, unlikely friendship, which I always cherished Mm -hmm. because he used to say, I can't believe that you want to hang around with me because I thought you were that music guy and you'd be out all night. And and here we are at the old Weilu's Chinese restaurant just chatting about these things that don't really seem natural to people who listen to rock radio maybe. The monologist in him was what I I, – for those who remember, he used to do his show four hours, let's say. The first half hour was a direct monologue. That was literally flowing from his lips. And, and yes, he might have used notes, but uh, uh, every monologue was a gem. Every monologue. I mean, every day. I would listen for that when I had time. And uh, he taught me as well. I didn't know him personally, but he taught me a lot about structuring a monologue. He had a wicked sense of humor. He had incredible timing. And um, I thought I wanted to be him. I really wanted to be him. And... There were several times that were really uh, very poignant in our uh, relationship. And when he left New York, he left for New York, rather, I I was devastated by that. As were many listeners. I did see him later on in San Francisco, and he owned that city. Mm. He was the perfect host for San Francisco. Even better than here, which I was Interesting. unhappy to say that because I never wanted him to leave Boston. We'll get back to your work as a talk host, and you've done a lot of that. But I want to switch gears and get back to what really became your show for many years at WFNX, mm-hmm. which was a radio station born out of a very famous independent newspaper, The Phoenix. 
and uh, just recently the passing of Stephen Mindich. I know he was a friend and a, yep. and a boss. Mm-hmm. But um, talk a little bit about that station and Morning Guy Ties Born and the fact that even now you're you're reminded about what impact you had. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't want to think that I was going to be remembered for one thing. I wanted to be the guy who could change and evolve and move on. But when I left – FNX for the AM dial, I disappeared. Mm. I, a lot of people thought I left town. And my parents, I said, I'm working for WRKO. And they were doing backflips. They couldn't believe. Because their parents and they're old <laughs> enough to know what RKO meant. That, that's right. But your listeners, the, they were so and are so loyal to that station. Small group, but very loyal. We were, FNX was like a small restaurant. And people who really, really like it, love it. But it looks mysterious and weird to those people who walk or drive by it. And so, you know, the general public never really caught on to mm-hmm. it. But we played bands before anyone else did. We got to meet and hang around with and live a lifestyle that was really crazy. I mean, I was out a lot of times four or five nights a week. And then I was still getting up to do a morning radio show. And it was... What was your wake-up time? Um, yeah, generally speaking, because I lived pretty close to the station, I didn't have to get up that early. I could get, I could still get away with waking up around five o'clock. Oh, that's not mornings. Come on, that's I know. afternoon drive. I know. You, but the thing is, the thing, <laughs> the thing that was so great about it was near the end, especially, I had terrific producers, and it's not that the show was on automatic pilot, but we had a skeleton in place so that you know we we could just we knew what the what the segments would look like and. And we could do them. I'm not Matty. I don't show up at 730. (laughs) (laughs) Reference to Matt Siegel, who's now going on his 80th year as a host of Kiss 108. Brilliant guy. Uh, You know, it's interesting. The transitions that we make as performers, sometimes we have to really fight management, fight consultancy and fight even – Trends, because as you say, when you went over to the AM side, then I was waking up at three. By the way, oh yeah, I was seriously you're doing mornings. You yeah. did a lot of stuff at RKO. I did, and uh, I'm similar in nature. I worked in the, in the music world for fifteen, eighteen years, and then I transitioned back to talk at BZ. And but it was I had to fight my way in because you're that guy known for that. And I wonder – that's still the case, isn't it? People pigeonhole us. Well, the thing is we have to understand how people interpret us. We, we don't get to choose that. Yeah. And I think now I, I understand how people in other forms of entertainment, television or music, you know, they'll do five albums and with this band and no one remembers them. All they remember is that one with somebody else. Right. Or you do 10 TV shows and somebody goes, yeah, but what about the first one? That was the only good one. Play the hits, basically. They <laughs> yeah. want to hear the hits. You know, um, it's true. when I used to work at doing mornings in, in music, a different format than yours, um, I used to – and of course, you're not talking directly to people. Occasionally, take some phone calls. But I often felt the audience there. I felt them. There was an energy. And, of course, it becomes more obvious when you're doing talk. But did you have a similar thought process when you're doing your show musically? You're not hearing from anybody, but you know they're there. What does that feel like to you? No, we did a lot of remotes, which was a great way to meet people. And, um, yeah, the phones were very, very active always. And... There was such a buzz on the station. And you got to remember, too, we were the little station that could versus BCN, who was the big corporate giant. And so as I used to love to tell people, 
I could never even scratch the surface of Kiss 108's Maddie or Charles Laquadera on BCN. But the fact that I was in the same game, mm. the fact that I was in the same arena, I, I don't care that I got the heck kicked out of me. I was in the game. I was in there. And people in this city really acknowledged that to me. People would say, I used to listen to this and now I listen to you. And I knew I, I never had the numbers but I had loyalty like crazy. You've been in other parts of the country and you came from the New York area mm -hmm. in school and all that. Boston is so interesting because it's a parochial town. We all know about our politics and our religion and all. Mm -hmm. And yet radio, when you think about the expanse of radio in this one market and all the choices, including FNX, which was an alternative like never before, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? It is. And I used to tell people when they first met me, they could tell that I wasn't a Bostonian. I didn't have a trace of a local accent. And people would ask me and, – and in fact, one of the newspapers actually asked me if I wanted to be Charles. And I said, no, I want to be Maddie because Maddie has more listeners and is more mainstream and is more across the board. And that's what I want. Whatever way I could possibly get it in my mind, that's what I wanted. And my two idols were – actually three – uh, Matty Siegel on, on radio, not his style, but his success. Mm -hmm. I wanted that. Mm -hmm. And then the two others that were New Yorkers that came here and became Bostonians were Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith oh, yeah. and Peter Wolf of the Jay Giles Band. Both of them were dyed-in-the-wool New Yorkers who came here and completely reinvented themselves. Getting back – I'm going to relate this. Getting back to Gene Burns, what really – hit me and I had the utmost respect for him for everything he did was the care and attention he took in learning about this area, in knowing the street names, in knowing how to pronounce the, in knowing the restaurant scene. I mean, Gene Burns, you could just tell even if you aren't in the business, he was doing his homework. How critical is that for somebody from outside <laughs> yeah. to do that? I was terribly intimidated by it at first because my sister was going to Boston College and I got lost a million times trying to visit her. I was late to things because I had no idea about these one-way streets and crazy. Wait a minute. If it's over here and it's Boylston Street, it can't be <laughs> over there and be Boylston Street. And so I learned very, very quickly that this is a city that has to be reckoned with. And the first time you say, well, where I come from, you're going to get – Killed. You're going to get your ass kicked, let's face it. And, and by the way, that's a, I saw – when I worked at RKO well before you were there back in the late 70s, early 80s, and we saw guys come in, big heralded names from other markets. Nobody ever heard of them. And they would absolutely puff out after a week or a month or three months because they just didn't get that. I was a one in Rome guy and I just fell in love with this town and I wanted to explore every nook and cranny. And so whenever I had the time, I drove around and around and around, got lost many times, which is the way you get found. Exactly. And, and this is pre-GPS. Yep. You had to do it the old-fashioned way by getting lost, but that's the way to do it. And, and again, the Gene Burns model and your model and mine is, is no – because the people, listeners, uh, say what you will about some of the kooky ones, and they're always kooky. <laughs> listeners get it. They, yeah. They, and, and I think a lot of times people – in our business, kind of lose sight of what the listeners are all about and they lose respect for the listeners. They basically determine our fate. So Yeah. And and for me, I did mornings on FNX for 10 years. And just about the time, it was really ironic, 
I lobbied to get some uh, sort of greatest hits uh, things rolling to celebrate and, and acknowledge that I had done 10 years. Mm-hmm. We did a thing called 10 Years of Thai. And we dug up old clips and just did these little best ofs. And it was a lot of fun because I got to interview a lot of people. And I loved that about Morning Drive, that I could sort of ape what you were doing, Jordan, which was being able to have people in the studio or on the phone and conduct a real interview. I'm endlessly curious. I can't sit there and just play music. I could never, ever do that. And that's why I had to be a morning guy. And then I brought in as many talk radio elements as I could get away with. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I fought constantly. They'd say, well, why don't you go work at a talk station if you want to do this so bad? (laughs) And then after 10 years, I said, guess what? I'm doing it. <laughs> but 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 you know what? You created a hybrid that at the time I did. was was special. And I I remember uh, I know Henry by the way, Henry Santoro, great guy. Mm-hmm. One, one one of the most He's not that good. Well, okay. he's okay. So-so guy, but <laughs> but a terrifically interesting and interested person too. Yes. Uh, I know his wife as well. She's much better than he is. But the point is uh, that was a model that was you were breaking a little bit of ground because for a long time Radio uh, and music, the whole idea was to shut up and play the music, right? But yeah, and and the thing for me is also I am very eccentric in my interests. I'm interested in everything. And so sometimes I'll be with a certain uh, atmosphere or uh, a type of event and I'm thinking about something else. And in the same day, famously – um, my wife and I took in drag racing and the ballet in the same day. And, and the, the people who were fans of one would look at me and say, why did you even want to do that? And I say, because that's what makes life great. And that's mm. what's wonderful about living here in New England is that we have everything. The mountains and the beach and the cultural things, they're there for you to experience all of it. Right. So that's how I that's how I looked at it. We should talk about uh, one of the projects you're involved with now, which is a, an FM radio station, very well respected, WUMB. I want you to plug what it is you're sure. doing. I know it's a relatively new venture. What's that? Yeah, I'm doing a show uh, that's only on once a month um, because I wanted to make a commitment that I could really make sure I could handle. And uh, it's like the decades on television with Bill Curtis. Oh, yes, yeah. right. So what yeah. we do is... We drop in a time capsule, and the show is called One Year at a Time. And what I really want to do is I want to make people in our age group remember that that year. I'm just putting together this week, 1968, so that when you hear songs, they have certain touchstones for your life, and they mean certain things for you. But I also want to think about a 19-year-old going – Someone's actually curating this for me. Mm. This is this is cool because if I had to start from scratch, I, I might just sort of lean toward what I knew best or what someone in my family said was great mm. music. And and too many times there's this one little narrow lane we all go down and that's, well, I listen to country music and that's it. Well, that's fine, but that's a sliver of the whole pie. For those who decry the, the modern age, the digital age where everything is streamed and also – what also – I like to talk about the positive and that is young people, my son, for instance, who's 25, can discover things by searching and delving and digging deeper and – his musical choices, to me, it seems like a mirror image of me at that age. And I'm thinking, where I didn't influence him 
consciously. But I think the digital experience, if you play it right, can really be beneficial. It's so great. And the fact that people can listen to the show around the world via the Internet, I just love that whole idea. So I'm really looking to just say for one hour, you're going to be in 1968 and you're going to hear the music. And I'm going to give you my particular background on certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's about the artist. Sometimes it's about the circumstance. um, And I'm rediscovering things. So I got to be honest, it's a little selfish. I love doing it. So for me, it's not work. It's fun. I would say that and, – and I'm going to use this term renaissance man applies to you in a certain respect, not just the drag racing and the ballet. Do I have for... to show up at the renaissance fair now, <laughs> King no. Richard's Fair? And you don't have to wear a tutu when you go drag racing. I don't expect you to go that far. But I that's why I love broadcasting and podcasting because the world is, is out there. And when you have a, a platform, whatever, small, large – you can you can seek out these people and meet these people. So that leads me to another question. You said you did tons of interviews. I know you did. Yeah. Does and this is the standard. Do, do, do any stand out as really special for any particular reason? Yeah, and I would say that they stand out for for very different reasons. Um, it's kind of fun when you meet somebody and there's nothing except excitement surrounding it. There's no success yet. Just, you know, there's just excitement. So meeting you 2 the band U2, when they first started, you know, they were the same age as us. And, the, and so there was a natural sort of affinity and a friendliness that had nothing to do with them being stars because they weren't stars. Mm. But they were so down to earth. And so we had this running joke in my family for, well, ever since 1981, I guess it would be. My kids, whenever we saw the band or Bono on television, I always say, that guy handed your mom a Heineken. <laughs> I have a similar story. I met, whoa, it's got to be 30 years ago, a young kid, six foot three, wearing a T-shirt and a deep southern accent named Harry Connick Jr. Wow. And it was just <laughs> about the time when, when Harry met Sally was about to break, so it hadn't broken yet. And he was this big, lumbering, sweet guy, and it was mornings, doing a morning music show, and we had a great conversation over the course of a half an hour, and I thought, this guy's really interesting, but what's going to happen with this guy? Yeah. And then he broke up. Isn't that so exciting when you when you know well, you've hung with people who have made that's it? That's the, the, the thing about radio, I think, and podcasting and all entertainment, when you want to be an ambassador or a curator – and that's what I did, I believe, every single day. I wanted to show you a part of your world, your neighborhood, your city, your musical palette. Uh, I saw this play last night. I went to the museum and saw this, and now I'm going to share it with you. That's To me, it was show and tell. And I got that from a fourth grade teacher who on Fridays allowed us to bring in 45 singles. And uh. the, the best part of it was that everybody in the class participated in it. Everyone, you know— they went, went around in a circle. You had to hear what other people brought in, mm-hmm. which to me was the fun. I wanted to hear something new and different, not just what I brought in. So I'm going to needle you a little bit. Why are you not doing your own podcast yet? I was waiting for you to ask me that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're waiting for you to take the, this wonderful energy yeah. that you have. Seriously, uh, have you given it some consideration? Uh, absolutely. And I have had a few false starts with it. Um, you know, it's the revenue stream or it's the um, timing yeah. or it's the, 
you know, I, I got to be honest. I'm sort of stuck in that thing where trying to find the next – this is why I love this radio show so much. To me, it's just enough mm. of the energy and the juice that keeps you going. Um, and it was funny because when they first asked me about it, they said, how about making it weekly? And I said, maybe someday. But let's start off because I want to be able to deliver this and I want it to be great. And I want it to be exactly the way I'm hearing it in my brain. And I want to be able to bring people that thing where, like I said, after one hour, somebody could go, wow, that was so cool. If somebody were to ask the late Stanley Kubrick about the way he made movies, he would say, I'm going to make a movie on my time so that I make it right. And in a sense, that's what you're saying. I mean, and, and, you know, I respect you for that because it would be so easy for you or anybody to say, oh, give me anything you got. I'll take it. I'll take it. But you're looking at this as a, as a project that means yeah, a lot the, to you. The thing is, you know, when you get to be old, and I'm old now. Hey, I'm older than you. No, you're not. Um, the, the thing is, you, you have this appreciation for, you know, what's come before it. And that's why I really like the fact that when we get together – as a radio community now or as broadcasters now and stuff, it's being done with a um, with a goal. And it's not just I can't be one of those guys that meets up at IHOP or whatever it's called. <laughs> yes, you're the ambassador of radio. You go to the International House. No, I, I know what you're saying. And I, I can't do that. that. And, and one of the reasons I can't do it is I don't want to tell war stories. I don't want to say remember that time. Um, because there's so many great things happening right now. I love the fact that I watched the Tony Awards because I saw Denzel Washington on Broadway the night before. That's pretty cool. And the thing is— Nice man cometh, doesn't he? And That's right. And we saw uh, Three Tall Women, which Laurie Metcalf and Glenda Jackson both won for. And as long as I have a daughter in New York and a free place to stay, <laughs> I will go. There's a good enough reason to go to Broadway to visit your daughter and, and right. to have your chance to sit. Well, it, it's delightful to sit down with you in front of a microphone. We've sat down outside from microphones, but mm -hmm. really sharing— some of your philosophy and some of your uh, passion. You have a lot of passion left, as as I'm happy to say I, Just I do. Just barely. <laughs> Enough to get you through the next 30 or 40 years anyway. Yeah, on, absolutely. On an easy gait. But I want to thank you for that, and people will be uh, certainly hearing more from you in, in years to come. And uh, congratulations on your success. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate that. Ty Irwin, Morning Guy Ty. But you can be listening at any time to hear Ty on this podcast. Uh, really great to see you. Take care. You've been listening to On Mike with me, Jordan Rich, a podcast produced and hosted by Chart Productions on the web at chartproductions.com. This podcast available on Apple, Google+, Stitcher, and all other download platforms. I invite you to rate, review, download, and subscribe to this podcast. And as always, I want to thank you for listening and wish you the very best day. Peace. Peace.